You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Food feature. And let's get right into it and talk about Just Teddy, the fine boulangerie and patisserie that's based at High Park Corner. And they call themselves or they, they, they frame the establishment, the genesis story of the establishment as one of humble beginnings, sibling rivalry and the appreciation for all things exquisite. And let me tell you, exquisite indeed were some of the some, some of the food I was able to sample and enjoy last week when I went to just teddy joining me to talk all about this establishment is teddy zaki the owner of just teddy welcome to the program thank you so much for your time today teddy afternoon thank you so much for having us an absolute pleasure um you guys had a lovely springtime in paris event (laughs) recently and uh, i was able to um, i was able to experience your establishment in all its glory I really, really love what you guys are doing there. Just tell us how Just Teddy began. So we started essentially as a as a market store. We were based in the CBD at One Fox Precinct. Um, we sort of got our roots there. We started up as a small corner shop. Um, and then after two years, we sort of outgrew the position and we needed to find a, a home. So... Mm-hmm. We started scouting around, and Hyde Park Corner just felt it just felt like the right spot to open up, mm-hmm. um, and that was two years ago, and here we are today. Yeah, a family-run business. I mean, if you ask certain people, if you ask some people, they'll say, "Well, never go into business with family." That is a recipe for disaster. But you guys seem to have gotten it right, despite that sibling rivalry. How how do things work and function there? Who's who's leading what, and who's in charge of what? Well, I think I need to be in charge of, uh, I need to be in charge, but uh, yeah, well, the, the, it works It works out well. My kids are, well, I'm a self-taught baker, my kids are, my daughter's a pastry chef, my son's a food and beverage manager. Yeah. Um, so they, they run the main show, I'm in the background mainly, and I think we have to give each other the, give each other space um but we do have heated arguments. It's not all fun and games. <laughs> part of the charm of the store is that the family is always on the floor. There's yes. always one of us on the floor. And the customers appreciate the, the, the personal touch. They appreciate seeing us here. Um, a lot of them have become really good friends. And, you know, it, it works. It works. Uh, we put our whole heart into it. And, you know, running running any sort of food industry, it's... It, time-consuming, and it does put a strain on a, on a family where we are mostly together. Yes. So um, it helps, yeah. you know, it helps uh, that we see one another each day um, and, and you don't feel that, that load of, not, of missing out on family life. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and like I said, it, it's most of the charm is that it is a family-run business. And saying that our staff have become an extension of our family and so it's, it's it's one big happy family. Mm, absolutely, I think it does feel it does feel extra special, especially during these COVID times, to go to a restaurant, to go to a dining establishment, and uh, an owner-run dining establishment, and know that you know your your money is being is is literally going to you know not necessarily keeping a family afloat, but you know supporting them um, and, yeah. and and helping them also you know keep other South Africans employed. So it 
really is a, a, a really special touch. That's a good feeling. But speaking of good feelings, the reason that we are here, of course, food, food, food. You guys have done a really interesting sort of synthesis and combination, uh, getting inspiration and, you know, um, turning your hand to Parisian delights, um, but also incorporating food or tastes and flavors from the Middle East. Tell me how that came about. Why bring those two influences together? So we are a Lebanese family. Um, we're from full Lebanese background. Um, on, as you know, Beirut was the terrace of the Middle East at one time. Mm. So a lot of French influence. French is the second language of, of uh, Lebanon. And on my father's side, uh, some of uh, our descendants are of from from France. So it's, we just felt that the two the two really matched well together. Um, we could easily bring the two together. So we've got on the same counter your baklava and your marmol biscuits laying side to side with entremet and uh, milfil and so on. So I think that it was easy to combine the two together and we, we needed essentially to stand out as being different uh, to survive. There's a lot of competition out there. We yes. needed to be different. And we felt that uh, this way we could we could offer something that is completely different um, but being the patisserie, we wanted to stay true to the to the patisserie. Um, but the the two go really well hand in hand together. Mm-hmm. The favorite items, or you know, the the hot selling items in the patisserie, right? Or what what do your customers uh, love, uh, and and what often quickly runs out? Well, our baklava is a, is a, is one of our best sellers, and we've now introduced. Different lines of the baklava. We have traditional chocolate and, and pistachio, cigars, and so on. And people are delighted to see us. Um, we decorate it with uh, dried rose petals and sliver green pistachios, mm-hmm. and so on. And we make it look visually appealing with gold leaf, and so on. And um, so that's always a bestseller. And then on, on the French patisserie side, uh, our entremets are really uh, exciting to look at. Uh, people are a little bit intimidated at times to buy them because they are, they, they are so pretty. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what we're all about. Uh, we, we, we want to make things look beautiful. We want to make things look pretty. We want the feel of tangible luxury. Um, we garnish with gold leaf. Um, the pastries have gold chocolate decor on it. Um, you know, the counter is essentially it's an edible, if you want to say a jewelry, it's sort of like a jewelry case. Yes. Um, yeah. It, it needs to be visually striking, and, and that's what we're all about. We're yeah. all about the, the, the look of it. Um, yeah, so bestsellers, I would say the Middle Eastern delights are, are, are one of our bestsellers, but on the pastry side, the entremets are, are really good as well. Yeah. Well, you, you certainly get, you know, I mean, it really is a decadent experience. It really isn't a 360 experience, right? Um, I, you know, you, you've got lots of eye candy. Um, and of course, the, the visual, all that visually appealing, the gorgeous food is, uh, backed up by, you know, the amazing taste and, you know, how you make the food is just really, really just the, the taste profiles are phenomenal. But I gotta say, um, let's talk about, uh, the art of baklava. I'm gonna just hop on that just one a little bit because I, I Absolutely love baklava. I still do, even though I've, I've, I've since uh, 
my early 20s, I started, you know, got an, uh, or, or developed a peanut allergy or a nut allergy. So <laughs> I'm always hankering over it. So I did stare at it quite a bit uh, when I was there, but, you know, couldn't eat it. Let's talk about the art of baklava because, you know, so, some people shame, they try, but they just don't get it right. Are you making your own pastry? What kind of syrup are you using? What's the ratio of like certain kinds of nuts and balancing the pistachio versus like what makes your baklava so special? Uh, just take me on a journey so I can imagine. <laughs> and try to, you know, put myself in that scenario. Sure. So I've basically grown up with baklava being in our household from, from an early age and we, we were taught how to make it from, from when we were really young. Um, what sets it apart, I think, is our syrup. Our syrup is, is made fresh every day. Um, it's a secret recipe, but you, it, it, essentially it's a rose water syrup, so you get that fragrance from the syrup of rose mm. petal without being sort of soapy, you, you've got to get that balance right. And um, in terms of filler, we, we we buy in good quality filler and life's a bit short to make your own filler. <laughs> <laughs> and we go through so much baklava a, a day, it would be virtually impossible to, to make the filler. But I think we, we the freshest, the, the, the key to it would be that the, you need to get the best quality ingredients, the best quality nuts, um, the best quality filler, and then obviously your your syrup has to be done perfectly. Mm. It has to be the right consistency, and then also the cooking of the baklava. Uh, some people rush it; um, they don't realize that it should be cooked very slowly so that you get those crisp layers. Because what often happens is that the top layers tend to brown, and then you've got like sort of a soggy bottom yes. underneath. Yeah. So it's it's practice, practice, and practice, and it's something that we've done or I've done most of my life, and. Yeah, it's, it's, it's practice and, and monitoring what you're doing. And, and really, it needs to bake really slow. Yeah. And, and the freshness of ingredients, we get our nuts in every week fresh um, and, and we fill it with nuts. Sometimes people are a little bit surprised how much nuts we use. We don't skimp on anything. It's, if we're going to do something, it needs to be done right. Lovely. Well, I mean, if someone can vouch for you, <laughs> just describe it to me. Send an SMS to 31702 because your life comes at you hard, fast sometimes, and you suddenly become allergic to nuts. Now you love baklava, but you just, you know, you can't eat it anymore. Raymond and Greensider, welcome to the program. You want to talk about baklava? Are you salivating yet, Raymond? <laughs> uh, so I'm always salivating, although it's supposed to be off of my, um, um, off of my diet. <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but my comment was that my wife and I were in Greece five years ago, and we always thought that baklava was a Greek dish because it's always offered in Greek restaurants in this country. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't find any. Ah. Uh, uh, over a period of three or so weeks, I think we found one restaurant that served it, and we then uh, realized, and I mean, they looked at us funny. It's like, what's that? Uh, it's really more Middle Eastern, uh, sort of Turkish Syrian, um, that's been adopted and served in Greek restaurants. And one has the yeah. uh, one wonders uh, if um, there's not some animosity. It's a Greek Turkish animosity somewhere <laughs> showing up there. Yeah, Raymond, thanks for that observation. Really fascinating stuff, Teddy. Yeah, absolutely. We I, I we do often conflate um, or think of baklava as definitely a singularly Greek uh, dessert or food, right? Yes. Uh, the, 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 it's easy to think. It's the Middle Eastern delicacy. Um, <laughs> The difference between the Lebanese baklava and the Greek baklava is basically the syrup and the nuts. Okay. Um, 
in the Middle Eastern baklava, you would use a rose water and lemon syrup, where the Greek baklava tend to be more honey uh, and glucose based. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more sticky, a little bit more sweet, um, where ours is a little bit lighter, a little bit crisper, and, and has a little bit more fragrance because of the rose water. Yeah, interesting stuff. Now, Teddy, I also um, I had the benefit of um, enjoying your famous high tea, so that was that, that was lots of fun. And in that, I really enjoyed those tiny little those mini bagels with a little bit of salmon in there. And the last time I had such a because I I don't you know bagels for me can tend you tend to find really, they're they're really heavy or stodgy. And this was just yeah, this was just perfect. The last time I had something like this was bagels and locks in Chicago, and I was like, oh my goodness. This is amazing. <laughs> Tell us about the bagel experience and, you know, just why when a bagel is done right, uh, you do actually go cuckoo for them. Yes. Yeah, so our bagels are boiled bagels and they are traditional bagels and they bake fresh every morning. So just that is, is basically a, a, a 24-hour operation, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There's a day stop and a night stop. So all our breads and so on for the ITs and for the store and for the menu are baked every single evening. Uh, and then they come out fresh on the counter. Um, the bagels are boiled. We use a bit of a potato starch in order to give them that crispness, mm-hmm. and then we load them with sesame. Um, and and we just felt it was the right complement to the high tea. Yeah. Um, something fresh. And they look they look gorgeous. They're very cute and petite on the plate. Um, you want something that's going to complement the pastries on the high tea. And that, that just gives the visual effect that we were needing. Um, and in terms, I think you, a bagel needs to be fresh more than anything else. It mm-hmm. needs to be baked fresh, and there's nothing better than a fresh bagel, lox and salmon, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and something that everybody needs to keep in mind, you know, when they're in a pinch and you need that cake for a celebration, right? You need a reliable baker, and of course, someone who's going to execute that um, decoration, for a decorating flourish well, or as per the picture you've shown them. Um, yes. You guys do uh, do celebration or birthday cakes. Uh, tell us about that process. Yes. When I order, how long does it take? What's the deal? So, we have our production on site. We open the Mason Mace and the Petit Four, which is our baking facility that was adjacent to the high tea where you experience your high tea. And the reason why we did that is that we, we, we try never to turn away a customer. Mm-hmm. We get people in the morning saying, oh my word, I forgot to order a birthday cake or I need a celebration cake and we're still trying to accommodate it the same day. Yeah. Um, essentially, we the, the, the more elaborate the cake is, obviously the longer uh, period of time that we need in order to do it. If it's a fondant cake, it obviously needs time to dry. If it's a butter cream cake, we can get away with a little bit of less time. But we also pretty best up. So the, the longer the period, so I would say three to four days. Okay. But if it's really an emergency, uh, we got an emergency wedding cake, believe it or not, one morning. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> so we had to scramble around and get a cake ready. Um, yeah, so ideally three to four days for a cake, but in an emergency, we, we, we try not to turn away anybody. Yeah. We try and that, that is sometimes a detriment. We try and we are pleasers. We try and make everybody happy. Well, you know what, Teddy? Uh, certainly coming through and visiting just Teddy uh, will make plenty of people happy. Keep up the good work. You've got a fantastic, fantastic um, establishment there. Really enjoyed my time there. And, of course, family-owned, lovely service. And the food is absolutely scrumptious.